investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Thank you for joining me for episode two of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So today I wanted to uh, take a look at the real purpose of government incentives that are available to property buyers at present, both for first home buyers but also for uh, other members of the public looking to purchase property. So what we want to dig in a little bit deeper as to what the purpose of these incentives are, obviously the benefits that are available to property buyers but also some of the concerns that I have around what might lead to some decision making that is not necessarily advisable. So first off, let's have a look at some of the um, grants and also the uh, incentives that are available. I don't um, plan to go through them with a fine tooth comb and uh, and give you every little detail and tell you what you need to do to be available. Um, there's certainly plenty of information around on uh, the state and federal government websites, but um, just to give you a bit of an overview. So let's start off the first home buyer's grant. Now this applies when buying or building a new home valued up to $750,000. Um, you can get $20,000 in for purchasing in the country and $10,000 for purchasing in metropolitan areas. Now that to start with is a bit of a red flag for me. Uh, in the past, nearly all incentives, whether they be stamp duty or cash grants that have been offered by governments, uh, metropolitan grants have always been higher than, than country because buying property in metropolitan areas is more expensive than buying in country. So if that was the objective as to, to help more people get into the market, then it should be the other way around. But I don't believe that is the objective here. It's more to stimulate uh, building sectors, which is absolutely fine and it's a good thing to do. Um, but it's something that the property buyer needs to be fully aware of before uh, jumping down uh, into perhaps purchasing in the country for the wrong reasons. Um, stamp duty exemptions and concessions are obviously another way for um, for governments to assist buyers into the market. So let's have a look at some of the first home buyer ones. Um, there's a the first home buyer stamp duty exemption or concession. So the exemption there is for purchases up to six hundred thousand um, dollars, and for purchases between six hundred thousand dollars and or six hundred thousand and one dollar, and up to seven hundred and fifty thousand is a concession, and that's calculated on a sliding scale. Uh, there's further um, reductions available on a one-off 50% for uh, principal place of resident purchases, uh, which this was put in place for contracts signed prior to the 1st of July 2017. So that's um, becoming uh, redundant now, and it was for properties valued up to $600,000. The the previous exemption um, is what had has been brought in to replace that. There's further concessions for off-the-plan purchases. There's concessions for pensioners. Uh, there's principal place of resident concessions for properties purchased up to five hundred fifty thousand. And there's first home. There is first homeowner with family exemption uh, for properties valued uh, less than two hundred thousand dollars as well. Um, and less so in the the residential property space. But there's also exemptions for young farmers looking to purchase property too. Um, then we. The most recent introduction has been brought in uh, as part of COVID uh, in the last 12 months or so. Uh, the Victorian government announced a, a waiver to stamp duty for new residential properties. There's a 50% uh, reduction in, uh, in duty payable. Uh, for existing residential property purchases, a 25% uh, reduction. And for vacant land purchases, a 25% reduction. Now, this is available uh, for contracts signed 
uh, after the 25th of November 2020 and before the 1st of July 2021. Um, so that's that's certainly, and that's not just for first home buyers. That's for investors or second, third home buyers as well, providing the property purchase is less than one million dollars. Um, the other one that's that's certainly uh, offered by the Victorian government uh, is a subsidised purchase price for buyers uh, in exchange for a proportionate equity in interest in the property, which the Victorian government offers as part of the Homes Vic Shared Equity Initiative. Uh, what this does is allows eligible buyers to purchase a home with as little as 5% deposit and the government contributes towards the 25% of the property's value and then maintains a proportional interest in the property and receives it back when the property is sold. So certainly helping people to get into the into the market for the for the right reasons and, and where they perhaps aren't, aren't able to come up with a significant deposit to get into the market. The other, one, other area to look at is the federal government incentives. So previous, we've looked at state government, now the federal government incentives. There's obviously the first home loan deposit scheme, which was a part of the, uh, the last federal election. And under that scheme, eligible first home buyers can purchase a brand new home up to, to $850,000 with a deposit for, of as little as 5%. And the federal government will cover uh, the balance of that to prevent... Um, lenders mortgage insurance being payable and for those looking to purchase an established home rather than a uh, uh, brand new property the property needs to be valued or purchased for up to six hundred thousand dollars and again with a minimum deposit of of five percent and then finally there's the home builder grant which was again introduced during covid times to try and help stimulate and this was clearly more focused towards those looking to renovate or buy brand new homes to stimulate the building or continue to promote the building sector um, and it was initially at $25,000 um, and was uh, extended into 2021 through to the end of March uh, but at a reduced level of $15,000 so there's a number of incentives there that are available um, through a, diff- a number of different forms the, the perception and the narrative that is clearly out there from the governments is to assist buyers to enter the property market. Uh, but we really do need to dig a bit deeper before we take their word for that uh, and understand that it's not just to assist home buyers, it's, it's also, or property purchases, it's also to stimulate other sectors of the market and other sectors of the economy. Um, so I think one of the most important things to do is to understand what you're looking to do uh, and what is the purpose of your purchase and don't deviate from that just to attract these government incentives or the so-called free money so what i would say is one of the first questions to ask is what is the purpose of this purchase am i looking to buy a home or am i looking to buy an investment property now if i'm looking at this as a home buyer whether it be as a first home buyer or with some of the other incentives there as a um, second third home buyer um, am i looking at it as a long-term home or am I looking at it as a stepping stone? Um, And you will look at the purchase process very differently depending upon um, the the end home buyer purchase. If you're looking at it as a long-term home, well, there are a number of things that are going to be far more important to you than if you're looking at it as a stepping stone. So if it's where you're going to establish your family, it's the location is going to be very important. Um, it needs to be close to schools, close to transport, close to your work, close to your family and friends, access to services, park. What's important to your lifestyle 
um, on a daily basis. The building equity is not necessarily going to be the priority in that circumstance. But you'll be looking at what type of style of property do I like? What, how much accommodation do I need this property to have? Uh, and the location is going to be more about you than it is about where it's going to build wealth or build equity for you over the long term. So if that's the case, then a number of the, particularly the uh, um, brand new property incentives that are available uh, for first home buyers uh, and the cash grants there, they could be very attractive and, and maybe very achievable um, and work within your, your means. But if you're looking at this property from the other way and it's more as a stepping stone to, to move up the property ladder and you are viewing it as a first home but not necessarily a long-term home, then you need to have a different lens on when you're looking at this and very much focus on that lens and focus on what you need it to be rather than on the, the free money or the incentives that you may be able to um, gain access to because they can become a distraction. So if you're looking at it from a stepping stone perspective, you you almost need to put on a bit of a, an investment lens and, and look at it more from an investor's perspective. Um, the lifestyle elements, although they are important, um, they're not the, uh, the main priority. Uh, you need to view this property as a means to an end, not the end. So things like a strong underlying land component is really important, particularly in a location where land is not readily available. Um, the scarcity value of the property, which you've no doubt heard me talk about a lot. Scarcity value is one of the key drivers and not having something that's cookie cutter or going to be constantly being replicated. And multifaceted demand is a really important element to capital growth as well to build that equity in order to take steps up that property ladder. So multifaceted demand meaning that you're going the type of property you're purchasing is going to be attractive to more than one buyer profile. So great that it's attractive to first home buyers, but also to second home buyers if possible. Uh, downsizers, uh, investors, all of those different markets will mean that there'll be greater competition and will have greater upward pressure on prices so that you can continue to build wealth. Um, the free money is not going to set you up to do that. So focusing on those right aspects will mean that you'll uh, you'll start to build that wealth and move up that property ladder to get to the, the type of property that you're looking for. As the other alternative, as I said, you look at it from a home buyer or an investor, when you're looking at things from an investment lens, you can go down one of two paths. You can look at it from a, a yield type asset or you can look at it as a uh, capital growth type asset. Now, um, we obviously focus more on the growth and I'll get to that um, in a moment. But if you are looking at it for whatever reason um, as a yield type asset, then again, there are going to be opportunities in perhaps some of the regional areas um, if, if that's going to be suitable and perhaps if you live there because you do tend to find that regional areas offer stronger yields than what a lot of metropolitan areas do. Bearing in mind that quite often uh, a higher yield means a higher risk in terms of the asset. So typically um, in, a, in a modern estate, in a regional area, you will get some, uh, some really good yields paid um, on a property, uh, on a residential property. Um, but you need to be mindful of why that is the case. And, and that can be that vacancy rates are much higher in that type of property because there's a lot more choice from a tenancy perspective. Um, and as a result, you, you won't necessarily have a, a consistent income being coming in. Uh, what type of tenants is this property likely to attract? Um, and what's the quality of the build like? So is it going to be okay for the first two, three, four years, but then perhaps lead to uh, a lot of work needing to be done or constant repairs needing to be done? The other thing when looking at comparing yields, and if you are focused on, on yield, is 
not looking at it from just a purely gross yield, but taking the net yield into account. And so, but to do that, you need to make the the deductions around the expenses to hold on to the property. So things like the rates, the management fee, um, repair work, but also the vacancy. So if a property is going to be sitting vacant for a month or six weeks, eight weeks of a year, um, while you're trying to secure tenants, then that needs to be taken into account uh, as you're not generating a rent for a large portion of that time frame. So keeping all those sorts of things in mind. Um, now, if you're looking at it through that mind, mindset, then it, it then the regional areas may be an option. But as a first home buyer, you probably won't be able to, uh, to live in that property. Um, so sometimes people would be looking at, um, particularly first home buyers might be looking at this as a... Uh, a short-term home, but as a long-term investment. Um, and that can rule out, obviously, a lot of regional areas because people can't necessarily, uh, although there has been some greater flexibility in working conditions this year, a lot of people still can't work from home um, for that period of time uh, and may not be able to going forward. So it may rule out reg- regional properties, but there's certainly still opportunities in some of the, um, the fringe areas if that's what you're looking for. But obviously, the growth is going to be the uh, the side of things that will set you up um, longer term and build equity and enable future investments, whether they be in property or other asset classes. Um, so it's, as I said before, similar to that stepping stone um, home buyer process is that you focus on the key attributes that, that make a growth asset work the way that they do. So that strong underlying land value, the scarcity value and that multifaceted demand is what will drive capital growth going forward and is what will put you in a strong position. So if you are looking at it as a first home buyer, you want to live in the property for the first 12 months, there may be some short-term sacrifices that need to be made. Perhaps it's not exactly where you want to live, um, but short-term pain, long-term gain if you're selecting the right asset uh, because it will enable you to, to step up the ladder. So, But by focusing on growth, most likely, um, if you follow our advice, you won't be buying a brand new property, you'll be buying established property. So that can again rule out some of the grants. So what we also wanted to introduce this week to the podcast um, is some practical examples or some stories of actual events that we've experienced over the years of the business um, relating to the topic of that week. So obviously government incentives. Um, So what we have also seen many times over the years is that rather than actually assisting um, quite regularly first home buyers to get into the marketplace, quite often the incentives will actually drive prices up and make it harder to get uh, to enter the property market. Um, you may remember the previous incentive that was offered for people purchasing property under $600,000 or up to $600,000. There was a 50% discount on stamp duty that was offered. Uh, and what we started to see was that first home buyers were driving up prices of property that were worth in the early to mid $500,000 range. And it essentially became a bit of a race as to who could get to $600,000 first so that they wouldn't have to pay over the mark and would be able to get the stamp duty saving. Um, so I, I had a, a classic example of that. I had a, a lovely young couple that came to us in, in around 2015-16 um, who wanted to buy a, uh, an older style two-bedroom apartment. So they certainly had the right mindset. Um, but they only wanted to spend up to 600000 They did not want to exceed that level. So I explained to them what I'd been seeing at that point in time in the marketplace and how regularly that um, this was occurring, that there was a race to get to 600000 and um, people were focusing on the wrong attributes, not necessarily in the apartment market looking for car spaces or the position of the apartment in the block or the, um, the opportunity to add value and, and more focusing on um, a nice pretty kitchen or bathroom. 
um, and the opportunities that they could they could get access to if they were prepared to forego that um, that stamp duty saving and look at properties that were perhaps worth more around the um, six hundred thousand dollar or a little bit over and up to perhaps even the mid six hundreds because they certainly said they had the capacity to do that. Um, so they um, they were very good. They took my advice and said, yes, look, let's look to do that. We found a fantastic property in East Hawthorne. It was a very small block, only six apartments in the complex on a really large parcel of land. Um, and they took my advice and were prepared to um, to spend over the $600,000 mark. And what do you know? We went to the auction and we only had to pay 601000 because we were only competing against other, in, uh, other first home buyers. There was no other real investors in the market at that stage. So we purchased that property really well because the underlying land value was extremely strong, being only one of six. Um, and the property was also in a really good position in the block, top floor front, um, and needed work in the kitchens and bathrooms. So there was still plenty of opportunity to add more value to that property. So they moved in, um, lived there, did some uh, some cosmetic works and upgraded the property in kitchens, bathrooms, paint, um, polishing floorboards, uh, window furnishings, that sort of thing, but did it very cost effectively. So it wasn't um, uh, an overly taxing expense for them. Uh, and then sold it a few years later for in the mid 700s because their mindset, as I said earlier, had been that this property was to be a stepping stone for them. It was never going to be their uh, forever property and they didn't want to keep it as an investment. They, they wanted to be able to enjoy their lifestyle in and around that Hawthorne area. Um, but the objective was to, to take a further step up the ladder and, and that very much enabled them to do that as opposed to focusing on something that was only worth in the early to mid 500s, paying 600 for it and also buying something that didn't have the opportunity to add value. So it's about, again, as we come as I come back to the points I've made earlier, it's about really focusing on um, what the purpose of the property uh, purchase is and making sure that it then works for you rather than just the incentives um, that come into play. So we'll try and make this a regular thing and give you some practical examples of, uh, of times that we've we've seen the, the topic of conversation for this week um, coming out uh, and being actually implemented and, and put in practice. So just, I guess, reviewing what we've, we've spoken about today, the, th- the important things to remember are um, the purpose of the purchase. Really focus on that and don't get caught up in the idea of the free money and, and letting it become a distraction to, uh, to alter your strategy. Um, it can only really cause you to make the incorrect decisions and, uh, and then that can be an expensive mistake. Incentives really need to be viewed just as a bonus. Um, it's not dissimilar really to, to tax benefits in that, that it's not the reason that you buy the property. And so you shouldn't get caught up and then change your strategy just to take advantage of them. So people quite often get caught up in depreciation benefits and focusing on buying a property because they can get all these great um, depreciation benefits. But the thing to bear in mind there is that the uh, the reason that the, prop- the you're getting those benefits is that the, the majority of what you've just purchased is actually going down in value. So don't get caught up in it and and take but do take advantage of what's available to you and it's just, that's again coming back to it's the same in the tax benefit space is if it's there take advantage of it but just don't um, make it the sole purpose of why you're buying the property so thank you for joining me today for episode two of the rewarding property decisions podcast feel free to share the podcast with family and friends we'd like to get it out to as many people as possible and if you would like further information on how to make rewarding property decisions please visit our website wakeland.com.au and we wish you all the best with your property decisions.